change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Pod Scooby. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, normally I kick off the show by saying we have a lot to talk about and then we get into something fun and we have a good time, but that's not the case today. We really only have one thing to talk about this week, and that was Sunday afternoon in Montreal. The Hamilton Tire Cat season came to a dispirited end, I think would be a good way of putting it, when they lost to the Alouettes. What was it? 20, 28 17 was the final score in the semifinal this weekend. We're going to treat this episode as kind of uh, a therapy session, uh, you know, uh, a, a more maybe well-researched uh, post-game show, I guess. Uh, just kind of uh, a, a big group hug for everyone that's going to listen. And I guess, you know, the people that listen that take pleasure in the Ticats losing, they'll get a good laugh at our expense. But, Mike, simple question for you. Where did this all go wrong? What 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 happened on Sunday? This, this promising end of the season... Just, uh, it did it did not materialize, did it? It did not, and just the way the Montreal Alouettes came out in that first half offensively, the Hamilton Tiger Cats couldn't stop a damn thing. Um, you know, they gave, they, they had a good game plan. I think the Tiger Cats were outcoached in this game, especially in the first half. Um, they came out, they know that Trevor Harris, under pressure, is not a very good quarterback, so what they do, they put two running backs in the backfield for most of the, the snaps, and uh, they protected him well. He had tons of times back, t- tons of time back there, and he just picked apart the Hamilton defense, um, play by play, just marched down the field, easy as can be. And it's it was really disappointing. I mean, the offense was okay in the first half. Um, you know, I thought that Dean Evans made some good throws. I thought they moved the ball well, but then they just get stopped short, and they'd have to go for three. So it was, it was just a really disappointing start to the game, and then they could never really claw back all the way. Yeah, didn't the game feel like a 60-minute version of Hamilton's season? Starts off really badly. You get a little bit of hope there in the middle where they're, they start making this comeback, and they're getting close, and you're thinking, oh, they're going to turn the corner. And then at the end, they they fall short just like they did this season. Harris Harris was fine. Like I don't think Trevor Harris was great by any stretch of the imagination. But like you said, he got time to make his throws. He completed almost 80% of his passes. He did throw the one interception, but it ultimately led to nothing. So it was, I mean, what's considered great to you? Like that wasn't a great performance by him. I like, especially in the first half, like the guy, I swear to God, like 243 pass. pass yards, a touchdown and a pick that I wouldn't say that's great. That's, that's fine. Well, that's fine. He, he, I mean, it's he, not statistically great, but like they the offense dominated. He was on cue. He picked apart the, the offense. I mean, the the second half, I will give you that. He slowed down quite a bit. Maybe we can credit 
adjustments at the half. Uh, that would be a first for the Tiger Cats this year. Actually adjust at the half and actually, you know, have a good game plan in the second half. But in that first half, he was just having a good time. Having a good time back there. He looked like Ottawa a couple of years ago when he was he was running the show. Now, he didn't have the, the game that he did with Ottawa, you know, fully through the whole game. But that first half, I thought he was dynamite. Yeah, but in, but in the second half, he was garbage. He, I think he had like less than 50 yards passing in the second half. Now, here's the thing, though. No, he ran the they ran the ball. Out Bingo. Well. I mean, that's that's what they did. And that that's where Montreal won this game is is their ability to run the football. This is the first time we'd ever seen the Ticats gash like this. On the ground, I'm looking at the numbers. Walter Fletcher, 77 yards on seven carries. William Stanback, 66 yards on 10 carries. Like that, that's where this game was lost because what that did was is now you have to account for the run game, which makes the defense less aggressive, which gives Harris his time. And I'm not again, I'm not saying he he was bad, but when when I think of exceptional, like he wasn't except he was like you said he was great in the first half. In the second half, they slowed him down considerably. There was a large spell there where the Alouettes had no first downs and then the offense could just couldn't make any anything work like despite how great he 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 was according to you this was a, a one score game as the tie cats are driving and then matthew schultz throws essentially the game ceiling interception on a short pass i guess like like an underthrown ball to tim white and that to me was the offense's problem all game is they had one guy that did anything one guy that they were queuing in on, one guy that they were throwing to. And when you throw for 250 yards and almost 150 of that goes to one player, your offense is not just one dimensional. It's 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 unworkable. Like you can't no one else could get open in that entire game. Like Tim White was great and had a great game, but you got to be able to rely on some of these other guys. No, Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that I noticed when Schultz came in is he spread the ball around. Yeah. Dane Evans was Dane had tunnel vision. on Tim White. He did. He was locked in on, on Tim White. And I, I love Dane, but that, that's just the facts of it. As soon as Schultz came in, Dunbar was involved. Johnson was involved. Everyone was involved. And well, Dane it was it, it, it was it was it was those two. That was it. That, that, yeah, it was those two. And it was it, only on that really that first drive that, that, that was that one played really well. And then, you know, you thought, hey, yeah, maybe we got something going here. Maybe this is, uh, you know, Dane Evans coming in from Mazzoli in the East final last year. But yep. uh that did not turn out the way that way. They couldn't run the football at all against and Montreal I don't defense. And they didn't really try. They didn't really try. And like what we've ended up been having success with Wes Hills and maybe Wes Hills is dinged up. I do not know. But But if he's they dinged up, then give it, to, give it to Sean Thomas early. Like you know what I mean? Like I I everyone's dinged up at this point. Like that that to me, that's not an excuse. If 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 you're out there playing, you should be out there playing. And if you can't play, then get off the field. And and again, we're speculating at me, but he has five carries. He had 34 yards rushing, which is like on five carries is is phenomenal. But like I I get there down 20. What was it? 22 six at halftime. But they made it a one score game and they still didn't run the football. They still didn't try to shorten the game. They still didn't try to pick up chunks in the run game. Like that had been their bread and butter these last four weeks over this win streak that they went on and and ever since kind of the Winnipeg game. And they just completely got like it's almost as if it came to crunch time because you brought up coaching and I think that that's the because. I think if this was execution was there for the most part. Like I, I think this came down to the way the game was called and it seemed as if the offensive coaching staff, at least and the defensive coaching staff, especially early on to some extent fell back into their patterns, fell back into what had not worked early in the season. And Tommy Condell called a game plan where it was just like throw, 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 throw. 
And that goes against what this team had done well to get them to the point where they actually made the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like this was, this was everyone's worst tendencies writ large in the, in this scenario. And there's a, that's the, to me, the biggest reason why they're not playing this Sunday is they just, they, they just fell back on the, the way that they did it. That didn't work because that's what they're comfortable doing. Yeah. And there was a couple of third downs and short where maybe you take the three in the one occasion um, but I thought you should have gambled, you know, the way that the game was going, maybe try to get that seven points and, and second and short situations in the first quarter, they were handing the ball off, but it wasn't to West Hills. And I do not understand West Hills is a beast. If you have two or three yards, don't hand it to Sean Thomas Erlington, nothing against him, but give it to the guy who's going to run through some people. And they just didn't do that. No. And the, the decisions not to go for it. The one that I, that I had the biggest problem was, was the one late. You're down. I think they were down at the time, 11. They had the ball deep in Montreal's territory. I get you need two scores anyway, but my thinking is with the way the offense had had been humming, you probably can get into field goal territory again. Are you going to be able to get this close to touchdown territory again? I don't know. They ended up not getting that close again the rest of the game. I you, Your season's on the line. Why aren't you going for it? Like, you're in the fourth quarter. I know it's early, but Montreal has... That would have been an opportunity to to make a big play, take all the momentum. Like Montreal had, like that third quarter for Montreal. If you go and look at the numbers, is atrocious. There was there was a, a 15 minute stretch there where the Ticats had a chance to get back in this football game, and they just couldn't do anything either. They had the one touchdown drive, and other than that, it was it was a bunch of nothing from them as well. It 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 falls on like coaches and Orlando Steinhauer. I find tends to be really conservative. He he gets weirdly aggressive and then weirdly mm. conservative. Like you and I months ago had had the had the debate about going for it. They went for it like early. I think it was against Montreal even. They go for it. They're in like down in the five yard line. They go for it like in the first quarter. They don't get it. I remember you didn't like it. I said it, I, I liked it. I like when coaches get aggressive. But then you're in a playoff game and you need to be a little bit more aggressive because you're you're behind the eight ball and you opt for the field goal. Like I just it's it's it, it's just it's to me it's just very bizarre logic or way of thinking i guess as to why they would just not like why are you not in this point at this point of the season you there's no you're tomorrow to you, in the playoffs you lose your you're done in the playoffs. Yeah. you're exactly you're lucky to be there you have to go on a run of a lifetime to get there to, to even get there to begin with and and you're opting for the conservative call it uh i don't know it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me no, it does. And we talked, we, we touched on the offense and the defense, obviously, but the special teams were really bad too. Yep. I thought, um, you know, they gave up a couple of big returns, uh, not Woods' best game. Um, he was, seemed like he had butterfingers out there dropping the ball and just no big returns that I can remember to give them good field positions. So yeah, just overall really not that great. I mean, there was little stints where it was, the defense played good and the offense played good, but overall a really bad performance by all three sides of the ball. No, yeah, special teams wasn't great either. Like you met Lawrence Woods doesn't seem like he was the same after he came back from his injury. Seth Smalls has a couple field goals. I mean, yeah, okay, but like I'm not gonna get overjoyed over the kicker getting nine you know what I mean? Like kick kicking yeah. three field goals like in a game you lose by well, they lost by eleven. That's mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I just like 
I don't even really know what else to talk about from the game because it was just no. so it was nothing like at, at, was there at any point in this game that you thought that they would win? Because when the Owls marched on the field on the opening drive and score a touchdown, I kind of just sat there and went, I don't think tonight's their night. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I like not to say that it was over because anything could happen. And then they marched down and get a field goal. And I'm thinking, okay, but you got, can't be matching touchdowns with field goals. And then, the, then the Owls go down again and score. Like I think the Owls scored two, three touchdowns in their first four drives. So it was just like it, it, it just felt like they never kind of got their feet under them. And then by the time it was there, there was a chance. It was too late. Yeah, I, I don't. The only time when I had any type of hope is when Schultz came in on that first drive, and he looked like, you know, Joe Montana out there, led the team down yeah. for a touchdown. I was like, maybe this could be turned around, but. Yeah, from the very beginning, fleeting. I yeah, from the very beginning, I had a bad feeling about this game. Just the way that that Montreal offense came out on those on those first three or four drives. We also have to talk about the offensive line, though. They were awful. Not good. I, again, it, all the all the stuff from the early part of the season, they weren't able to run block. They gave up six sacks. They took untimely penalties. No, no penalty is good, but when you're taking holding calls on on plays that would that negate Kelly, first downs, not good. I've noticed that Kelly has had a problem yeah. with penalties since he's yep. been here. And I like him as a tackle, but way too many penalties on his part. Yeah, for sure. It's just we praised how good they had become over the latter half of the season, especially during – and we're, we're going to bring it up because this season was the first two-thirds of the season and then the last six games where they went 5-1. and one. During that run, they, they played really well. They – they run blocked well, like the running game was working. They they weren't giving up sacks and they weren't turning over the football. And what do we get in this game? We get giving up sacks, can't run the ball, turning over the ball. Like it was and in key moments too, like like the sack that ended the game, essentially. Tyrese Beverett comes right up the middle and no one touches him. Like yeah. you got the Alouettes are a pressure defense. It's a Noel Thorpe defense. You know what you're getting. It almost felt like they were un, ill prepared or unprepared for right. what the Alouettes were going to do. And I don't think the Alouettes really did anything. Like, like offensively, what did they do? Trevor Harris made, took short passes, took what was there, got the ball out quick. They ran the ball well. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't yep. – on, and on defense, they were they were blitz-heavy and man-heavy. Like, they didn't do any – they didn't go against any tendencies, and the Ticats had no answer for that. That, again, speaks to coaching, does it not? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, you know, we talked about the offensive line – and I thought the defensive line was not very good in the first half. They brought it on a little bit in the second half. They got to Trevor's a little bit more. But, you know, I I just thought that the defensive plan to start the game was bogus. It was, it was just yeah. not good. Um, they tried to get pressure on Harris, but Montreal counteracted that with, with uh, pass, or, um, you know, having two running backs in the backfield blocking to to make Trevor's have a nice pocket. So, uh, yeah, I think that we got outcoached badly in this game defensively and offensively both coordinators um kind of stunk yesterday yeah getting out coached by danny machocha not exactly something yeah. you wanted on your resume not we thought all. this we not thought all. this team was done after they fired their coach <laughs> and they're a game away from making the great cup and quite frankly i kind of hope they do because i do not mm-hmm. want to watch another great cup with the argos in it a- anything positive you want to take from from this game like it's it's really i guess like tim white was great but other than that yeah, tim white. That's about and it. Right. Seth, Seth Small is doing his usual thing, you know, kicking yeah. field goals. That's that's all great. But, yeah, other than that, uh, not much to really write home about at all. No, it was it was just uh, 
it's a disappointing like if they would have lost but they would have gone down swinging like if they if this is if this, if this was a carbon copy of any of the games that they played against Montreal this year you know what I mean like you lose by a touchdown because a receiver fumbles or you lose on a last second field goal you know what mm-hmm. I mean like I, I think we're not it's it's not as bad you know what I mean but this was such a like almost from the very beginning of the game it just felt off and it just felt like not today and here we are again another season ends without a great cup yeah the, every season we've done the show no great 23 years 23 years without a championship in a nine-team league you times that you know by a normal league of 30 teams and that's like 70 years without it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah so, yeah it's you it's, know these guys need to Cubsian. get it together and win a goddamn championship you know what i mean it's been listen i know it's hard but this is getting ridiculous. And I know it wasn't going to happen this year, so I'm not, like, freaking out because of that. But they need to get their, you know, Bob Young um, has been the owner for 20-plus years, and I know he's done his damnedest to, to bring a championship to Hamilton, but, you know, it hasn't happened. So some of the blame needs to be laid on the organization organization as a whole. Um, the owners, the presidents, everybody needs to be, uh, to be looked at because nine-team league, 23 years without a championship is pretty sad. Yeah, do you do you put it on like there's been so many f- different front offices, so many different players, so many different everything. Like I don't I, put I don't, it on Bob Young. Like No, I I'm not not I'm not saying you do, but it's just like where like the Bombers went 29 years without one. The mm-hmm. Argos from what 70 No, what did what did they what did they go almost 30 33 years or something like that without one from like the 60s to the 80s or yeah, 50s to the 80s. Like so it just seems like there's always a team that's that that's defining some sort of like drought. You know what I mean? And like even mm-hmm. if you look at like I know it's nowhere near as long as the Ticats drought, but the Alouettes haven't won one since 2010. The Lions haven't won one since 2011. The Riders haven't won since 2013. Like yeah, the, uh, Hamilton fans would have killed for a championship in any of those years. But for a team, especially like look at Montreal. Montreal from from basically from their rebirth, but especially that that decade in the 2000s, they were in what like eight of 11 Grey Cups, and they won three, but they haven't been to like this is their first East Final since 2014. Like, I, I know we uh, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to compare their droughts to Hamilton's because Hamilton's obviously twice as long, more than twice as long. It's, it's kind of crazy that like there's other decade plus long championship droughts. Like you know what I mean? Like. Would you have ever thought in 2005 that you'd be talking, well, the Alouettes dynasty is over in five years. Like you always think you like that felt like that was going to go on forever. And I don't know, like we mentioned on the show before this, this off season coming up with the great cup back in Hamilton in 2023, like this could end up being the most pivotal, pivotal. I can't even say it. God, the illness is pivotal, 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 pivotal off season in this franchise's history, perhaps. It's uh, I don't know. I, the losing, I, I guess it gets to you a little bit, but this year didn't feel like, like if, if we if we were to rank the last three, because they went to the last two, like let, let's talk about the Orlando Steinhauer era. Twenty losing in 2019, that that was probably the worst because that felt like the year that they should have won. Losing last year just sucked because it was at home. This year, I mean, we started the season what was it 0 4 the three and nine at Labor Day, like everything we got post Labor Day that was happy was essentially a gift. I don't know th- th- this team has work to do and we'll get into that in a little bit, 
but I, I, I don't think I ever thought they were actually going to win the championship. Like we, we convinced no. ourselves of it. And I know and we yeah. said on the show, like if they make the playoffs, we'll, we'll talk ourselves into them going on a great cup run. But realistically, like it was, it was never going to happen. No, I think we were talking ourselves into maybe we get through the teams in the East and then get to the great cup and get, get smashed again. But uh, yeah, it just wasn't in the cards this year. You know, from the very beginning, it was just, one thing after the other, and uh, you know there were so many things to blame. You know we blame pretty much everybody in the organization. We blame Fump turnovers. We blame Dame. We blamed the yeah. coaches. We blamed you know everybody we could. Um, it was just it didn't come together this year, and it hasn't come together since 1999. But uh, it didn't come together as in you know going on a Grey Cup run, going to the Grey Cup or anything like that. So disappointing, but. Uh, like you said, it's a big year next year, and we have to look forward to that. Was this snake bit from the start? Like, did, like, because this team had come off back-to-back title game appearances. They weren't a great team last year, but they got, they were a decent team that just played well in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, but it almost felt like, and I know we've talked about this before, like some of the decisions they made in the off season, who they brought back, who they didn't bring back kind of, well, why are you doing it that way? Then the season starts and it's, it starts slow and guys aren't gelling. And then they make a bunch of moves, especially to, you know, fix that offensive line sort of starts to work. Like, are you, are you optimistic heading into next season that they can figure this out? Or do you think we're headed for, and, and, and okay, and take away your eternally pessimistic, always nine and nine thing. <laughs> take away that shtick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. J- j- for the for the second, because yeah. because let let let's say it's either high high or low. Are you? Do you think that this team can make the right moves to get above five hundred, or is this a, another season of? Because for, we, it can only be so long where Ottawa is this bad. Like at some point, the Red Blacks are going to figure it out. And there's going to be, uh, did the Argos slip? Did the Owls slip? Did the Cats slip? Like, Ottawa's not going to be in the basement forever. Do you think the Cats are more likely to bounce back and make a Grey Cup run next year or miss the playoffs entirely? I still think that they're a couple moves away from being a contender again, like a serious contender again. So I'm going to say that they'll be, they'll bounce back next year at this early stage, but there has to be some moves. And I don't know if you have to change some of the coaching staff, some of the coordinators. Like, I don't think, even though we've questioned Steinhauer this year um, at times, I don't think he's going to be gone. I, I think you'll be oh, I don't think so either. next year. I, I do think that maybe one or two of the offense or coordinators are gone, the defensive or the offensive, whatever one. Um, I, but yeah, I do think there needs to be some tweaks, but I, I still think that this team, this group is a pretty good one, like at its core, like there's, there's some good stuff there. And if we bring in a couple more guys to add to it and maybe bring in a new coordinator or two to, to shake things up a bit and get a new philosophy in there, um, you know, I think we could, we could make a run again. I, I don't get the feeling that Steinhauer is going to get fired. Like maybe there's no. an opportunity to coach elsewhere like he almost left to go to the university of Washington last year, like something like that pops up perhaps, but I don't get the, I don't get the feeling that they're going to can him. If he doesn't make moves at the coordinator position. So let's say Condell and Washington don't get head coaching jobs. And I know people are laughing at the idea that either of them would get head coaching jobs after this year, but you never know. You don't know who, who's a GM somewhere and who likes who, if he retains them, 
is your does your faith in the team to rebound get go lower? I would think it has to, right? Yeah, it does. It does. Like, I don't know, man. It, I don't know if these guys are the guys anymore. I really don't. I, you know, we've been to the we've been close with them, but it just seems that we're declining each year that we have them. And and you know, a lot of people are are hard on Condell, and and I think he deserves a lot of it. I think Washington's worse. I do. Uh, you know, I think that the talent was there on that defense. Look at all the guys in the secondary they brought in. Like we were stacked, and it, what did what did we get for it uh, on the on the on the games that it matters in the playoffs? They get absolutely torn apart, especially in that first half, just torn apart. So, uh, and we've seen it again and again and again with Mark Washington at the end of games. Defenses fall apart. His defenses fall apart. So, like if I was going to get rid of one, I might I might choose the defensive side i might choose washington wow that's an unpopular not unpopular opinion in the idea of getting a new defensive coordinator but that you choose a new dc over a new oc like i i think mm-hmm. i i don't want to see how social media will react if they announce that condell is coming Stakes. back like i think yeah. he's he's taken such a beating this year and a lot of it deserved some of it i think not like there mm-hmm. were times this year where he called a good game the problem is is you can't just call a good game every three games. You have to call it every game or at least every other, you know what I mean? Like it, I, I think it would be nuclear heat by the fan base. And again, you don't hire, you don't coach, you don't do any of that to appease the fans. But I just think that that's, I don't know how you sell that. Like there, there's a lot of things right. in this team that I think it, it will be hard to sell to a fan base. That's so starved for a title whose hometown's going to be hosting the Grey Cup again. And, like, you got, you got, you got to think, like, I know that last year's Grey Cup wasn't exactly, like, it wasn't a real Grey Cup. It was it was the COVID one, and everything was kind of subdued. But that's two Grey Cups in Hamilton in the span of three years. That game's not coming around here for another, at least probably another decade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, to, to think that they're going to get one any time in the, like, it's going to be at least eight years if not 10 before Hamilton sees a great cup again. And this is kind of the last gasp for this generation of Tyka. Like we've already seen Jeremiah Mazzoli leave. We've seen Brandon Banks leave. Like we've seen guys from this generation already, already go elsewhere for your Simone Lawrence's, your Ted Laurent's guys like that, that have been here for almost a decade. This is kind of their last, this if, and those guys are both free. So who knows if they're going to be back, but that's that, that generation of Ticats players, sort of the Austin, Steinhauer era. This is almost like a last gasp. Like I'm not saying that the window for a championship will close because I think you can replenish the roster really quickly to to go from eight and ten to I mean look at the Ticats. They were eight and ten in twenty eighteen, fifteen and three in twenty nineteen. A lot of the players were the same. They just changed the coaching staff and tweaked a few things. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't they brought in some good players. Don't get me wrong, like Garrett Davis, two day delicate, all those guys came in, but the core of that team was very similar from the year before. And they they completely turned the franchise around that year. So it's not to say they can't do that again, but I just think if if you present sort of the same old, same old on in the coaching ranks, like I think Craig Butler's probably pretty safe. I think special teams for the most part, aside from this East Semi, I think the special teams was pretty good. Like throughout the year, like they found a kicker. They're gonna have to they, like Lawrence Woods, I think, if given another an offseason to get healthy, he'll be back next year. Like I think he can be a pretty dangerous return guy. So I think I think Ticat special teams, I don't think you're going to see a lot of changes there. 
but if you're if you're going to sell the same two offensive like you you can probably get away with one and i think you could get away with mark washington because i think like you said i don't think people have focused on that enough because i think the offense was so bad and and the and the offense is a quarterback and that's where we focus our attention right like dane evans was fumbling and throwing interceptions and doing all that all that didn't develop into the that didn't take that leap as the guy into that next step that you expected him to. So that that's where a lot of the focus went and the team was losing because they'd throw it up, they'd fumble the ball or there'd be a timely, an untimely interception. You know what I mean? Like, especially early in the year, some of those losses are three, five, seven points. The offense does a little bit more. The defense kind of skated a little bit. And so I think if, if you, if you fire Condell, I think Washington will go under the radar if he stays if you fire Washington and keep Condell, I think that I, ju- I just, people are going to have a Lose their field minds. Thing. Yeah. They're, yeah they're, I they're agree. Good. And yeah. again, not to say that you co you do these things to appease any fans. No, but Ticats fans are, are pretty knowledgeable. Like they're like the ones that I, at least the ones that I like follow on social media or talk to tend to, they're not knee jerk. Like, I, I don't think like, and, and even you and I, I think we're pretty measured in our responses to stuff. But the team just wasn't good enough this year. And if it's not good and if it's not good enough and then you just run it back, well, what makes you think anything's going to change? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I just I don't know if either of them are going to be back next year. I really don't. I don't either. Not, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the right decision is. I really don't, Josh. Like, I'm not, I'm glad I'm not in charge there because, you know, and then there's that whole coaching cap thing like if you get rid of them are we going to be paying them are we going to have less coaching because we i don't got rid of think guys? did they did sign extensions last year you know what i'm gonna look it up just to make sure but i'm pretty sure they signed was it extensions before this season or was it before last i can't recall i, can't recall. I, I just i just remember on the same day ticats wrote extend contracts no it was this april but it doesn't say how it doesn't say how long Right. Oh, nope, through the 2023 season. So they're signed for next year. Right, so we'd be paying them for next year, too. Yeah, barring them, rid of them. barring them getting a job somewhere else. Right. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean... That coaching cap thing is dumb. It is. It is. Like, I don't know why he was brought in the first place. I think it was because maybe... I think maybe the... I don't know if this is the reason, but I remember players complaining, like, oh, we have a cap, why don't coaches have a cap? No, I don't think that's the reason. I don't think but. that's why. I, if I recall correctly, it was because... Teams were complaining that other teams were spending too much money on coaches and they couldn't keep up. Basically, what they're saying is Saskatchewan had like 17 coaches on their roster. And because they right. have a wealth of money that the the other teams, I'm, I'm going to guess it was teams like Montreal and Toronto who don't have as much money, even though that's BS. Especially with the Argos, they definitely have as much money as the Riders if they want to spend it. That, yeah. I think, was the reason for it's like, let's put a number on this. The amount of guys we can have amount we can spend and then it's even across the board just like it is with players i think that's hurt the product quite frank i get this is we're getting off topic but like i think it's hurt the product on the field ever since that's been brought in i feel like we've seen the games have gotten worse i think the coaching has gotten worse and it's it's handcuffed teams and their ability to get better like mm-hmm. how the the red blacks held on to paul police well past when they should have canned him this year and i don't know if it would have turned anything around but I mean, after last year, they should have known like this is not going to work and gotten rid of them, quite frankly. But I don't know. I just think the coaching cap and the football ops cap. I just it's it's just it's just dumb. Let t- if teams want to spend if Bob Young or the Riders right. or anyone else MLSE if they want to spend 
$8 million to bring coaches in? Let them. I don't care. It's not my money. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that you know, the better coaches we have up here, obviously the better product we're going to have. So, yep. uh, And it allowed, yeah. it would allow teams that are bad to make changes to get better. Because do you, do, like, do you really want apathy to build up in a market like Ottawa? You're already seeing it in Edmonton. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, teams can't, some, the riders and the Ticats could probably sustain a half decade of losing, and it probably wouldn't hurt them too much. But the other teams, you don't want that. Like, no. you, you can't have that. And I think this coaching cap just, I mean, it was a bad idea when they brought it in. I thought at the time, I think it's still a bad idea. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that does kind of gum up the works a little bit by, both those guys being signed through this, this the next season, mm-hmm. what the, what decides to do, and like who are you gonna, who who are the options out there for let's say offense coordinator? Obviously, there's a guy just sitting, you know, on our squad, Kari Jones, that could be slid in there, um, unless he's getting another option. He probably, I don't know if he's signed for next year or not. Probably no, not. No, he he was he was a consultant signed for this season. Right, alone. so he'll probably be looking for a. Maybe even a head coaching gig. Well, he'll be he'll I I you gotta think he's a candidate in Ottawa, no? Yeah, you gotta think so. I mean yeah, it's gotta be a, a vast improvement over Lavalise um as a head coach. Is right? Ottawa gonna I mean, be the only to... they're gonna be the only one with a coaching vacancy. Right? Oh I guess the Every... I guess the I guess the Owls are too if, if, right. if but Matroch just <laughs> says if he's true to his word and Yeah, you know. but Kari's not going to Montreal, so no, <laughs> no. running for his services. No, because so. the writers have announced they're not firing Craig Dickinson. I, mm-hmm. the Ticats aren't going to fire uh, Steinauer. Oh. We know the Elks are keeping uh, Chris Jones. The Stamps, I don't think, are going to fire Dave Dickinson. I don't. There's no reason to. No, Rick Campbell's not going anywhere in BC. That's, and and the, the, the other coaches are all coaching right now. And you don't. Yeah. Unless unless something comes out about one of them that's truly repugnant. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one of those things where you can't keep them around. Like they pull a Kanye or something and start ranting about or mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving, like do something mm-hmm. truly stupid. There's there, those guys aren't going to get canned. So it really like maybe the cats get lucky and one of the guys on the staff gets to gets a head coaching gig somewhere. But I don't know. I uh, just Kahari's like like it's really Ottawa and then whatever they do in Montreal. And I don't I, I wouldn't be surprised if Michoch is back on the sideline next year either. Yeah, I mean, either I especially if, you know, they make it to the Grey Cup or, yeah. you know, God forbid, win the Grey Cup. I, I can't see them stepping down. So, Yeah, no, definitely. You know, if they win the Grey Cup, there's no way. He could, he no. could easily sell that to ownership to stay stay, stay in, uh, in control of that team. So, I mean, he's a general manager anyway, so he's probably going to get to do whatever he wants, especially if they get, get to or win the Grey Cup. So, uh, all right. Uh, I did you put out a call for comments after the game on uh on I, Sunday? I did. I did. I got some here. Well, let's let's run through some of them. Maybe give us a little something to talk about before we'll we'll get into sort of what the future holds for the team. And we got a list of free agents here that we're gonna go through. Uh, maybe we'll play a little fun game because it's been a it's been kind of a dour down show. So let's maybe we can have a little fun before we we exit for I guess basically the season because we don't have a team to cover for the first time after the first week of the playoffs in, in three years. So that's feels kind of weird, but yeah. So why don't you, uh, why don't you hit us up with some of the comments that people gave you after the game? All right. Well, there's a bunch of them here. So let's see. Um, uh, where should we start? All uh, right. So let's start with David M. Clark. 
is no longer the same offense built by June Jones. It's kind of pathetic. We need a complete rebuild in the offseason, starting with the OC and the QBs. There is not a genuine starting QB on the roster. I don't know about that. Like, well, what do you think of Dane? Would you be comfortable with him coming back as the number one guy next year? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's been a rough year for Dane. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, mince words about it. He's been bad at times. Uh, but, you know, we signed with that contract. I think you, he deserves to get, get another shot at this thing, you know, build up that O line from the start of the season, you know, bring back the guys. And I, you know, I know they didn't play well in the semifinal, but I thought they played well as a unit for the last, you know, half of the season. Get him a star, another star receiver, uh, and see what happens. Especially if they make a change in offensive coordinator, like you kind of got to give him a chance to to regain. Like he's, we've seen him play really well, and I just don't mm-hmm. feel like that disappeared. And like Colin Kelly is a free agent, but Chris Van Zyl said at media day today when they were clearing out the lockers, he plans on coming back next year. Now, whether that's a good idea or not for a guy who played what, maybe six games, seven games this year? Who knows? But if he if he comes back and he's healthy, you got Chris Van Zyl, you got Coulter Woodmanzi, you got David Beard, you got Brandon Revenberg, and I thought Tyrone Riley over the course of the season, this playoff game notwithstanding, because there was no one on the offensive line that played well. So let's just make that perfectly clear. That's I don't think that's a bad group to start the season with. I think David Beard coming in really sort of settled everything along the offensive line, like Alex Fontana, who started the years as, as the starting center, clearly the years away had eroded his, his skill set to the point where I'm not even sure if I'd bring him back next year. And, and they made those moves to bring in the, the Edmonton guys. I don't know. I, I feel as if an, that offensive line, if they can, if they can start the season together, get some chemistry in training camp, you get a new offensive system that maybe is more suited to Dane's. Dane likes to chuck it. And I don't think Condell likes to throw the ball deep. You get a system that, and maybe get him some uh, a playmaker or two. I feel like he can. I, I know there's. I, I I've already seen it. There's a lot of people clamoring for Bo to come to Hamilton, and I do think that's a, a possibility. I don't. I don't know. I, I saw. I can't remember where I saw the comment, but someone said something along the lines of, uh, "After what he did, because he came in and played in the West Semi, it's like, oh, after he did that, there'll be a lot more suitors than just the Riders." And it's like, did you see anything out of Bo in that game that you had that you didn't know about? Like. No, I thought his first drive was really good, and then and it kind of teetered else. off. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And, like, I, I didn't gain any new appreciation for him or any, oh, oh, he's definitely back to the bow of 2016. You know what I mean? Like, he was mm-hmm. fine, and that was about it. So I, I just don't know. I've seen some people clamor for Cody Fajardo to come here. Please, God, no. Uh, that was, Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen some people say, like, Cody, to, yeah, bring Cody to Hamilton. It's like, that's to me, is a massive – I think he's cooked. I mean, I didn't think he was very good to begin with. And I, no. I, I to me, uh, switching from Fajar- Evans to Fajardo is not only a, a sideways step. step, that's a backwards. That's a backward step as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Like, I agree. I mean, Cody Fajardo, he's okay. He's fine. His deep balls are atrocious. They're like throwing, throwing it to the moon. It's like the ball floats up there. Like I would ra- way rather have Dane Evans throwing deep than Cody Fajardo. That's for sure. I c- Vernon's interesting just because... If Kahari stays, maybe he could unlock, like they could finally get a system in place. But even then, I think that that's, if, if it's a step forward, it's, it's a half step forward. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not a mat, like 
Nathan Rourke's not going anywhere unless he goes to the NFL. Zach Caleros isn't going anywhere. And aside from those two, every other quarterback to me is plug and, like replaceable. Like I don't I don't know of any team that has like McLeod Bethel Thompson. If 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 Bo says I want to go to Toronto, they'll ship McLeod Bethel Thompson out without thinking twice. You know what I mean? And he led the league in in passing yards this year. Like especially that, if the, you know they get bounced this weekend. Yeah. In the, in the playoffs. Yeah. And no one like is and this is again this is a larger CFL issue, but the fact the lack of like superstar quarterbacks I think is kind of hurting hurting the league a little bit. But I don't know to say that this this team doesn't have a number one quarterback. Well, then in my opinion, seven of the nine teams don't have one. You know what I mean? So, I mean, Jake Mayer looks okay, but he got pulled in the playoff. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I I expected more from Jake. Yeah. Um, down the stretch, like I haven't seen anything that's really wowed me from him. So I don't know if he's gonna be, you know, the next great Calgary quarterback. Now they is he the they ne- is he the next Bo Levi Mitchell or is he the next Jonathan Jennings? Exactly. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Now. Calgary has had a history of being able to develop quarterbacks. So maybe that's going to go in his favor and maybe he's going to be a really good quarterback, but I haven't seen anything that's shown me that he's, you know, this next great prospect or anything. So we'll see with him. We'll see with him. You know what? Uh, from- Ed- Edmund- Edmonton had a great history of developing quarterbacks. And then all of a sudden they ship mm-hmm. Ricky Ray right out and, Oh, they got, they got Mike Riley, but then, other than that, it's been it's been kind of a elephant's graveyard. So it it, those those things come to an end. You don't you don't you don't hit time and time again. A- at some point, you you do you do miss on one, and maybe the stamps are going to miss. Them. Who knows? I don't know. But I, I, my whole point is, if you're saying Dane's not the guy, then unless you're you're going to get Nathan Rourke out of BC or Zach Claris out of Winnipeg, to me it's it's a lot of plug and play. It's a lot of a lot of the different shades of the same color, as far as I'm concerned. Do you think? Do you think Bolivar Mitchell will be a Hamilton Tiger Cat next year? I don't. I no. I, I actually don't. I I think it's it's possible just because yeah. anything's possible. possible. I think it's Saskatchewan or Toronto. If I'm being perfectly honest, I think I think it's Saskatchewan because they'll they 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 fumbled the bet. They nearly had him in 2019. He was going to the Riders in 2019, and they just and and Toronto made a big play for him in 2019 as well. So I just don't think. That what I could this that you want, you want an outside the box thought, mm-hmm. the tie catch trade for Jeremiah Mazzoli and bring him back. Even after that's that, my outside, uh, that's my outside of the box thought. Okay, that that is very outside the box, Josh. I think, I mean, especially after that, he's been out for the whole season with that knee injury. Exactly. Who, it, a lot will depend on who who becomes the coach in Ottawa, but maybe he has a quarterback out there that he likes. It wouldn't surprise me if Mazzoli's back in black and gold next year. Both De- Evans and Mazzoli take that, that a similar contract to what they did a few years ago, where it's it's playtime based. Wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't that be funny though? Bring Mazzoli yeah. back. You just like I, it, you know, it's like everyone hates Dane now, and yeah. the, the, everyone he, hated he, Mazzoli be before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he'd be or the savior. Hate them both. They boo yeah. them both when they come on the field. That's just it. Um, like that, but like I don't think that's gonna happen. But that's my outside of the box. Like, what if what if they made a move like that? But but again, that's who knows. But no, I, I, yeah. I guess to answer your question, no, I, I don't think, I don't think, both. I, I think, I think Toronto will make a bigger play and I think the Riders will make a bigger play. I think, and I think those two teams just make more sense. I don't think Hamilton is a quarterback change away. Like, I don't think Evans was, he was a problem this year. Uh, the turnovers were a problem this year, but I, I don't, think, I, I think, yeah, because ter- a lot of turnover stuff is luck. 
Fumbles, fumble, lost fumbles, interceptions, a lot of that is luck. And you can turn that luck around pretty easily. We saw this season there were games where he couldn't couldn't help but turn the ball over, and there are other games where he didn't turn it over at all. So I think I don't think the Ticats are a quarterback change away from going from eight and ten to twelve and six. I don't. I think I think they can get to ten, twelve wins with Dane as their quarterback. From our buddy Tiger Sammy. We need a full review from top to bottom of the organization. Everyone from management to players need to be looked at. Not saying drastic changes need to be made, but I believe a couple of fan favorites may have played their last game in Hamilton. I mean, that wouldn't be a surprise. I think you look at the free agent list and there's a couple, there's three big free agents, potential free agents that are standing out that are, that I consider. And I think you would also consider them probably pretty big fan favorites. Braylon Addison, Ted Laurent, Simone Lawrence, I could easily see all three not being with the team next year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I didn't think Ted Laurent would be back this year when they signed Michael Johnson and they brought him back anyway. But I, I thought Ted, and this, you know what, what's funny is Teddy came back. He was okay this year and didn't really get hurt. So maybe being a rotational player actually helped him. Simone's the one that I think, I know we had this question a few weeks ago about if he had played his last game in Hamilton. I still think they'll bring him back because I still think, I think the injury was a fluke and I think he was still, and we, we had this a few seasons ago. Do you remember maybe it was 2017? We had said like, ah, oh, Simone's lost a step. Like he had, wasn't put up the numbers he had put up. And then he kind of revitalized his career. He was a two time nominee for most outstanding defensive player. Like I don't think, I think Simone Lawrence still has a year, two or three left in him of, of good football. So I, especially with the Ticats hosting the cup, like, I get the feeling. I, I think I think he can still play ball, is what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if he's not here. But I, if I was to, if you were to ask me, like who's gonna, like if you were to say place a bet on it, I'd say that he's back in black and gold next year. Yeah, I, I place I place that bet as well. I, I'd probably say that I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the other two though. Like Teddy Ron, like you said, it was a surprise when he got re-signed last year. Uh, I just think maybe his time has passed. And uh, Braylon Addison, who knows where he's gonna be. I mean, coming off those injuries, it's it's been a tough go for him injury-wise. He's a tremendous receiver. We had such high expectations for him this year being, you know, supposed to be that number one guy for the Tiger Cats. And I think that hurt the offense quite a bit this year. Losing him, Dane counted on him quite a bit. Losing that veteran presence hurt the offense a lot. So, yeah, um, you know, I could see, I like just like you, I could see all three of those guys gone. But if I had to bet, I'd say Simone would be the guy that comes back. Uh, from Holy Mackinac, build the O line, get some receivers that can get open, get some DBs that can cover the middle. I, I mean, the, I think, D, the DBs. Yeah. Okay, we can't blame the DBs. The DBs are good. It's the system that didn't that failed them. Like how many times this year so. did you watch games and it's it's second and six and they're nine yards off the receiver and it's like they just give up these easy pitch and catch and that to me that's scheme. That's not because we saw what was that? I think Jamal Roll. It was one play. But he manned up Eugene Lewis. It was one of the sacks, I think. They man up across the board. He They bump him off the line. And the Ticats got a sack. Like, in my opinion, this this the semifinal loss, and we already talked about it. And, and this season as a whole, I think, felt, falls more on coaching than I think it falls on the players. Because you can't say this 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 lineup isn't talented. They had 11. They had 11. They had the most divisional. They finished third in the division and had the most division all-stars in the league. Like, in... in was East. that the first list or the second list? <laughs> oh my God! The, the one reason I was upset we didn't do a show last week because I got sick 
was because of that kerfuffle. Like, what a what a joke that was. Like embarrassment, man. So my God, how hard this league does it to itself. Like, it's its own worst enemy. Like, they make it so hard. Like, if 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 there are anti CFL people out there that mock the league or something, what do how are you supposed to? What can you say in response? Nothing. You're like, yeah, they they're dumb. Now it was a bigger deal. It was made a bigger deal than it, it ultimately ends up being in the grand scheme of, course, of things. But it's just the the, the, the pattern, the pattern of dumb activities, yeah. however you want to say it. I mean, they released a, a playoff bracket, and they couldn't even do that right at the start of the playoffs, right? I mean, yep. it's just like the little things. It, it's the little it things. Yep. It doesn't like people won't even know about this that aren't CFL fans. But it's like, what the hell you do? Can you not get? anything right like simple things man simple things it's the little Anyways. things it's the little things that make you fear and again i know it's different people doing different jobs but when you bugger up the little things you're like how, do, how can i trust you to get the big things right yep. like i'm entrusting this group that can't get the right that doesn't have that hasn't hired the right people to put out the right list of all-star players i'm trusting mm-hmm. them with the future of financial stability of this league and, and expanding this league it makes you really, really question. And the other thing with that, before we move on, is all those guys that were listed at first, if you've seen a CFL contract, you know that a lot of them have all-star bonuses in there. So there were a lot of guys that thought they were getting a little extra in their paycheck that didn't. To me, that's not right either. If, if the no. league was reputable, the guys that were announced, the league would chip in and pay those guys that, that bonus. Not the teams. I don't think the teams should have to pay it. I think the league should have to pay that out because it – you think you're getting an extra five grand in your paycheck. That can go a long way for a CFL player. From Holy Mackinac again, uh, Evans is fine. D-line is fine. Fire Condell, rebuild O-line. Do we have to rebuild the O-line, though? I don't think so. I don't they think had, so. They, they had, had one bad, game, had one bad like, game. Like, this one, this game was bad. But the this, this same unit was really good the last six weeks before this week. So, And I don't think the D-line is fine. I don't think I don't that think at either. all. They need a pass rusher. Yeah. They, do. they need a stud pass rusher. They really should have kept Lorenzo Malden. All right. From Steve Passfield, top to bottom, they just were not good enough this year. <laughs> that's a pretty, yeah, that's a yeah, pretty good bang on, like, Yeah, I, like, I mean, they finished eight, ten, didn't win, didn't win the Grey Cup. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty damn yeah. spot on there. We just, we just spent 50 some odd minutes talking. Uh, from David Tucker, no idea. I'm just a fan. I can't do it better than those paid. Yeah, those paid to be in the, those positions. I really want Dane to succeed, but he's not the same as last year. I think a QB signing that pushes Dane to compete for QB1 might be the answer. You sign Dane at 400K, who you bring in to compete with him, though? Like, what exactly. what starting caliber quarterback is going to take backup quarterback money to come compete for a job? Like, could you get Vernon for that much? Maybe. But I just, I don't know what, like... When you pay your quarterback that much, you get guys like Matthew Schultz as your backup. Perfectly capable. Came into the game on Sunday and did a fine job, at least early. But at the end of the day, there's a reason why they're paid to be a backup quarterback and not be a starting quarterback. You know what I mean? So to me, it's just to 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 sign a guy to push Dane, you're going to have to ask Dane to take a pay cut. And I just don't know if that's in the cards. From Justin Kizik. Uh, Dean cost you guys way too many games this season. Not a winner. I'm guessing oh, they meant Dane. Dane. There you go. Uh, okay, but not, not a winner. Do, do, do we like? I, I I know it was three years ago, but does people not forget? 
like the people have few forgotten 2019. Like that team went 15 and three and they were what five and one when Mazzoli got hurt. And again, to me, quarterback wins are not a stat. They don't reflect on team wins, do not reflect on just the quarterback, but the idea that he can't be a, a part of a winning team to me just doesn't. Yeah. He had a down year, but to me that doesn't, that doesn't mesh with reality. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he deserves to give to get another shot next year to be the starting quarterback for this team. Uh, from JMac zero one zero seven, far too inconsistent to start the season. Oh, is turnover prone. The first four or five games need a little more size at receiver to complement T White and Dunbar. Number eighty number eighty four looks legit. Uh, D was good from the get go this year. Injuries came back to haunt. Lots of good pieces to complement. Well, injuries didn't hurt him. I mean, aside from losing Dylan Wynn, injuries didn't really hurt him in the East Semi. That was just a poor performance. Yeah, I agree. From Tracy Fletcher, outcoached. Outcoached, we need a strong quarterback. I mean, that's going to be the the theme. When your team doesn't succeed, the quarterback gets too much blame. When your team succeeds, the quarterback gets too much credit. The Ticats underachieved this year. The quarterback's going to take most of the heat. Evans knows that. The team knows that. The coaching staff knows that. Most fans know that. To me, I'm not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we've we've gone up and down on Dane this year. There were times when we were really high on him, times when we were really low on him. I'm willing to give him another season. And if it if 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 we get us a, a repeat of this season, can't 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 control the turnovers, doesn't isn't the one of the main ingredients to a team winning, then I think we can have that discussion next offseason. But I just feel as if too much too much blame is being put on his shoulders right now, and I don't think that's fair. I agree. And I don't think he was terrible in the in the playoff game either. I mean, he was 7 for 10. Um, he, he led some good drives, those first two drives. You know, they, they moved the ball, but then they came up short on two running plays that they fell short of on second down. Yep. So you can't really blame him for that. So, I mean, he wasn't great, but I don't think he was terrible either. No, and I know uh, I've, I've seen some people kind of rip him for freaking out. The, the, the last play he ended up playing in the game, and mm-hmm. he was angry, and he's slamming the ball down. It's like, hold on. The same people that get on – Guys, for just clapping, like, I mean, you, right. I, not, you have you you you've done that. You're not I'm not you're not doing it in this sense, but you know what I mean. Like the ones that are like the happy-go-lucky, just clap through it. Now you're now you're giving heat to a guy for showing emotion. You can't have it both ways. No, the uh, it's hard to please uh, Ticat fans. It, it truly is, um, and I'm one of them. So uh, from <laughs> Edom Raw, all capital letters, uh, DVD baseman. Uh, we see this every year in Grey Cup or playoff games. The opposition is always better prepared. Time for changes. Coach O has to make the tough decisions. RE coordinators. The Ticat fan base is watching. Oski wee wee. We see it every year, but we see it once. Like last year, they won two playoff games to get to the Grey Cup where they outcoach and outplay. Like, no, they won those games. The year before, they had to win a game to get to, and they obliterated Edmonton. Like, I know we remember the last game more because it's the most important especially if you lose because your season's over, whether it's the Grey Cup or a playoff game. But this idea that they're always outcoached in the playoffs, it's just not true. Like, that you don't get to two straight Grey Cups by being outcoached every time you step on the field in the playoff game. And I could, you know, those two of those playoff or Grey Cup games, I don't think we were outcoached badly or anything. You know, it came down to one or two plays and it just didn't go our way. So I don't think they were outcoached at all last year. I think if they were last year in the playoffs, the East Semi, they were fine. They kind of manhandled Montreal, even though the score wasn't that big of a difference. 
Last year in the East Final, I think Mazzoli just didn't have it. They went to Evans early, and it paid off. That's good coaching to me. And then the Grey Cup, they lost to a better team. That happens. This this year, this year, this year though, they definitely got out coached in a playoff game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, from Berg on a wire, with all due respect to CVZ, draft a Canadian left tackle. I I, I don't know if you draft a Canadian left tackle. I mean, that would be fine uh, to do that. But but I, I I do have questions about Chris Van Zyl coming back as well. Like, yes, you've been a great left tackle or, or a great tackle in your career, but it's coming to the end. You can't really stay healthy. Uh, I'm not sure if they should bring him back or not. I'm with you on that. Uh, but you don't have to draft one. You got one already in house. His name's Kyle Saxlid. You traded for him last year. Mm-hmm. The reason you traded for him was to be Chris Van Zyl's eventual replacement. Signed to an extension. He's your replacement. Don't worry. Drafting a guy, you're Coulterwood Manzi. Years, years down the road. Coulterwood Manzi and Brandon Revenberg are two guys that started pretty early in their tenures with the Thai Cats. Revenberg especially. Those are that's not normal. If you're starting a Canadian tackle, it's because especially if you're starting a rookie Canadian tackle, it's because you don't have any other options. Uh, if you're starting a veteran Canadian tackle, it's because you've decided to go with four Canadians on the offensive line, which is fine. But you traded for Kyle Saxlid. To eventually take over the role from Chris Van Zyl. Van Zyl says he wants to come back next year. I'm with you. I'm not sure if I'd bring him back. If they don't, you, you ink Sachs will do a three-year extension, two-year extension, and you, you make him your starting right tackle. And I don't think you really miss all that much. From Bob Manojelovich. Bob Manojelovich. Uh, that performance pretty much summed up the 2022 season. Mediocre with glimpses of potential. Yeah, I think that's what we said as soon as that started the show. Yeah, that's a pretty good one right there. Um, so I think that's about it. I that's just got it? a bunch of like people talking about, you know. So yeah, that that that's about that's it. it. I, and pretty much it's all you know the same. Fire Condell, Dane sucks. Yeah, that's about what you expect after your team underperforms and underachieves yeah. in a season. Uh, okay, so as always, thanks for everyone that sent in comments. Thanks every, all year. For sending in comments. Thanks for joining us on our live chats on our live uh, post game shows all all season. Those were a lot of fun to do. We're gonna try next year to uh, maybe do it a little differently so we can maybe expand mm-hmm. our reach, not just uh, not just on Twitter, but maybe again, we're always looking for ways to uh, to improve the show and improve the product and give you guys more of what you crave. But before we go there, it, let's talk about some Thai Cats news. The only bit is uh, today, uh, as we record on Tuesday, Three Down Nation released a list of potential free agents for the Ticats. It's it's a long list, but not a especially long one. I've seen longer ones throughout the the league so far. Uh, John Haji, my buddy, he uh coworker there. He will uh he every every time a team gets eliminated, he's posting their thing. So we got you got ones from Ottawa, Edmonton, and uh Saskatchewan before the playoffs started. We got uh Calgary the things coming up tomorrow. It's not already out. And Hamilton's came out today. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but there's there's some big names on here. The entire line, starting linebacking course, Simone, Jovan, Cam Kelly, all out there. Three of the five starting defensive backs, Deontay Evans, Richard Leonard, Jamal Roll. Uh, we talked about Braylon Addison, Micah Johnson, and Ted LaRon are both potential free agents. Receiving course, Stephen Dunbar and Tim White. Sean Thomas Erlington, who's a solid contributor. Colin Kelly, who they acquired uh, this year in a trade with Edmonton. And then Matthew Schiltz, who signed a one-year deal last year in free agency. So let's play a little game, Mike. You can only keep three. But you also have to get rid of three of the of the names on that list. Who are you keeping? Who are you getting rid of? 
I thought he, I think you got to bring back Tim White. Um, you know, led the team in receiving pretty much every category. He's he's a star. Um, you know, I, I'd like to bring back Wes Hills, but I, I feel like you could plug um, any running back in there. You know, and Wes Hills has been great, but I think you could plug a running back in there behind a solid O line and uh, get production. So I'm going to start with Tim White. Uh, let's see, we got to go with some of these linebackers, right? Um, I bring back Cam Kelly and Simone Lawrence and Tim White. If I only have three to pick, that's who I'm going with. I let go. I let go. Um, I'm going to let go Okafor. <laughs> He's gone. See ya. Um, Ted Laurent, I think his time is up. And uh, who else am I going to let go here? I think uh, Poppy White has shown flashes, but a little bit underperformed. So uh, I'm letting him go as well. I mean, I wasn't surprised you said uh, K. Okafor. Like, yeah, that's a gimme, I mean, right? That was pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. You got to bring back Tim White. I I think I think I'm going Jovan Santos Knox over Simone though, just because I he was the team's best linebacker this year. <clears throat> you know what though? I think I'm going to go Cam Kelly over both of them because he's been so good as the Sam. Yeah, I think I, I didn't pick – did I pick Simone or did I pick Kelly? I can't remember. I think I picked Kelly. I thought you picked them both. Oh, maybe I did. I thought you went Tim White, Simone, and, and Cam Kelly. Anyway, okay, I'm going to yeah. say – I'm going to on Tim White. I'm going to agree on Cam Kelly. I'm bringing back Richard Leonard. I thought he was their best defensive back this year. He's great. He's very yep. versatile. Uh, you can play him pretty much anywhere you want in the secondary. So those are the guys I'm going to bring back. I'm, le- I'm, I'm not bringing back Lamar Durant. I got, yeah, that's I got a good one. No need to bring back Lamar Durant. Can I change my poppy weight to Lamar Durant? Sure, there you go. Sure, you can. Yeah. I don't think I'm bringing back Micah Johnson either. I don't necessarily think. I think he was really good down the stretch, and I still think he can be. But I don't know if that that's a that's a bigger contract that I don't know the Tyke. <clears throat> pardon me. I don't know the Tyke necessarily need. And I'm not bringing back Michael Domagala. I'm finding a new punter. Those are my three. That's fair. That's fair. What do you think about the the puncher that came in? Uh, what was it? He was Blake okay. Hayes? Daily Flint. He was okay. He was okay. Well, I Blake. Who the hell is Blake Hayes? I don't know. My brain's fried. I like. I I just told you who who I wanted to pick. And I <laughs> yeah, you later. did. I'm like, what? Yeah. Who did I pick? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you know what? It's been a long season. It's been <laughs> yeah. a long last couple of days. It's I think it's time for us to just put a pin in this. Uh, we will probably be back before the new year. I'm sure there'll be some Ticats news to talk about. We'll probably reconvene after Grey Cup, but this will be the last one for the next couple of weeks. So uh, thanks, everyone, who tuned in all year. Thanks, everyone, who read my stuff on 3Down. Mike, thanks, as always, for for being my partner in crime on this. It was was not the season we hoped for, but it was still fun, nonetheless, to get to talk football mm-hmm. with you pretty much every week, sometimes yeah. twice a week when we did those post-game shows. So I think another res- resounding success for us this season. So for Podskiwi this, this season and for this week, I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.